0: Everybody?
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Hi, Dan. Hi, Becky. Um, how you doing?
1: Doing good. How are you?
0: Good. Um, okay. This is a this is a fun week because, um, we're recording remotely, um, in our own homes, but we're both in Toronto.
1: That's right. Yeah. It, it, you know, maybe this is the new normal, where recording remotely is no longer a special thing.
0: I absolutely thought about quarantines and how just podcasting in this way might be pretty like um prescient kind of entertainment during the the coming bad year
1: yeah i mean we talked about the circle earlier this year and it being kind of uh it's now maybe prescient also
0: oh my gosh i didn't even make that connection yeah yeah it is because we're all kind of going to be maybe going to be shut-ins i mean the
1: yeah the the joys to be found in isolation
0: well i'm getting excited and also like um if you haven't, if you listeners haven't listened to last week's episode, which was an interview with Dan Werb, that one I do very highly recommend, because for all of the sort of extremism or alarmism that I'm bringing into the conversation right now, he sort of said not to panic.
1: Yeah, he did, and and I I will admit that I've been well, maybe I haven't been bringing um, this to the conversation, but I've been feeling a lot of anxiety and. Um... You know, I've been seeing both sides. I've been seeing the anti-alarmists. I've been seeing the alarmists. I've been seeing people who believe that they are steady, also. And and um, what, do you I mean, was, what do you mean steady? You know, some sort of sort of center version of the two uh, of the two extremes. You right. know, um, but I've never. Uh, I, I I just have come to realize that I didn't real, uh, really trust any of them uh, fully. Right. Um, because I just didn't know how I felt. Well, and now I'm starting to feel better.
0: Oh, good. Uh, well, yeah. and we're certainly heading into a time when um, I know I know Dan Werb talked about uncertainty. He is an epidemiologist who is speaking of statistical uncertainty, but there's a different kind of uncertainty emerging now, which is I'd say, like in the United States, at this point, at the point of recording, it's going to change by the time this comes out, but um, they're reporting like six or 700 cases. Well, that can't possibly be the right number. There's a president who doesn't want the numbers to go up. They don't have enough test kits. I mean, there's tens of thousands at least cases for sure.
1: So, are you reading six or 700 cases in America? Reported. Really? Yeah. Wow. Last what? I checked, it was like 250. So, this must have gone up in the last day?
0: Yeah. Yeah. A couple oh states got testing kits, basically. Wow. Um, and they were having a lot of trouble. Washington State seems to be doing a really good job. They've had a big outbreak in Kirkland, Washington. And um, they've started drive-through testing of medical employees. Yes. Um, and I believe, and I really could be wrong about this one, but I think New York State's also doing actively doing a lot of testing. Um, New York City has declared a state of emergency, as has San Francisco. And yes. um, Los Angeles County. See, this is why I think I had it right um (laughs) well seriously because what we're seeing now is that these numbers are kind of they're gonna they're just gonna balloon if the I mean I don't think the administration can stop the CDC from sending out testing kits but anyway um so
1: here comes conspiracy Becky
0: well that's not even I mean he's Trump is saying this stuff in press conferences I actually don't think that he is capable of stopping them from Sending out testing kits, but I do feel like he would. He said he wanted to leave all these American citizens on a cruise ship so that the numbers wouldn't go up.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, like, I know that's
0: it's... not my conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> I right. know I'm capable of it, absolutely. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I'm definitely and and flat out we're being told like don't go to big gatherings. I have some movie screenings that I'm going to go to. My friends... Yeah, I'm going to go
1: to I'm going to go to a movie tonight. Oh, good. Yeah.
0: What movie are you going to go see?
1: I don't know. No, I'm was... considering new Pixar, but do I want to see it in 3D? I don't know about that.
0: Is the Joker still in theaters? Now feels like a really good time to go watch
1: that. <laughs> Joker is not in theaters. No.
0: Is it really not? I thought it would just stay forever. And
1: I don't think thumb so. its
0: nose at uh, authority and us. Yes, thumb cucks. its painted
1: nose and, <laughs> and uh, force its uh, red smile upon us all.
0: Um. Anyway, I.
1: I, I watched that on the plane I, I watched half of it on the plane and oh, oh that, boy that is a mess
0: that would be hard to watch on an airplane too
1: it was it really made me feel anxious like um, in what
0: way like you thought this could happen
1: no it it uh, it was v- much more much more ethereal than that i I just oh. felt I felt existential dread watching it um
0: oh but why I want to dig into
1: I know I would love to know why is uh, it like
0: toxic masculinity like, because it is, so it is doing an amazing thing where, like, where all all films are kind of documentaries about their filmmakers and the times that they're in. It's like, you're not really talking about toxic masculinity, but you definitely have made a movie that is the best iteration of it. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it made me feel, um, it made me feel a feeling which was kind of familiar, I guess, which is that sometimes I feel like mental illness is contagious. Like, oh. Like you can breathe it in, or you can, or you can, uh, you can, you can acquire it from ingesting media. Like I, I have the, I, I, got an overwhelming feeling watching the show Hoarders.
0: Oh yeah. Are
1: you familiar with this show? It's uh, about yeah. hoarders. I need no explanation. No, I've, explanation, I've really. seen it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I can't watch that show. It was the first time I've watched the show, and I thought, oh, I'm going to start doing this if I keep watching it.
0: But you are um, not. But you're not like that at all.
1: But I'm not like that at all. And also similar, the show Obsessed, where oh, someone yeah. was af- someone was afraid that their washing machine was going to fall through their floor. They were like, uh, they were obsessed with the idea that their floors were going to collapse at any right. moment. And I was like, oh, I- I'm gonna, br- I'm gonna, I'm gonna breathe this in, and I'm gonna become this. I'm gonna catch it. Wow, that's very um,
0: interesting. I mean, I think you are more inclined to think your washing machine is going to fall through your floor, just knowing you as a friend.
1: Well, yeah, and and I. I uh, i'm glad i uh brought that second example up you worry i do yeah i do yeah
0: um oh you that's know- in my genes <laughs> you know that you know that i grew up in an environment like the tv show hoarders right
1: oh no i didn't know that
0: yeah that's what my childhood life was like and wow. um so I watched that show in the weirdest way. First of all, I'd always get mad at the moms.
1: <laughs> Interesting. In a, in a
0: very straight line to being mad at I What do you mean, mom.
1: the moms?
0: Like if there was a mom and a child, I was like mad at the mom for being a hoarder.
1: Oh, so the mom was the hoarder. What if the yes. mom wasn't the hoarder? The mom you was always g- the hoarder. Okay. <laughs> Literally,
0: now that I think about it, the mom was always the hoarder or the dad. Um, the, or dads, the dad. But the dads would well, be very... like, I'm not mad at you. My dad wasn't a hoarder. <laughs>
1: Um, ah, okay, 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 there we go.
0: But I watched that show, and I don't know, I had a different experience. Like, I was like, on the one hand, is this therapeutic, but or also am I just like, it's like when you have a sore spot in your, on your gums and you just keep sticking it with your tongue. Kind of felt like I, I was doing that to myself. Anyway. Yes. Um, but Joker made you feel like you were going to become an agent of chaos?
1: Um, <laughs> An agent of chaos? <laughs> no, like... um. Like it was a reminder of a headspace in which I felt, you know, I was very young and I felt like rejected by everyone. Right. You know, and I was like, oh, this is such um, a, it's just like an immature indulgence of that.
0: But you thought you were going to like become it or it was going to rekindle that feeling in you and make you. Psychotic. Possibly, like I like
1: I say, the 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 dread was was very nebulous. It was wow. just sort of a cloud that came over me as I was watching it, and I just, you know, I was like, technically, this thing is a mess, and but yet I feel scared of this movie. Whoa,
0: that's how I felt when I saw Eat Pray Love. <laughs> really, I was trying to think of a better joke, but it was like Grand Marigold oh, Hotel, joke. but I don't know i can't remember the name of that movie
1: right but that's about being old so maybe that would have been less good more serious yeah
0: eat pray love though does feel like the concern of what i could become (laughs) i really
1: you know uh, you took your turn to comfort me let me take my turn to comfort you that you will not become eat pray love
0: no you don't think i can go to india and i don't know flirt while meditating
1: (laughs) No, I think I think your sense of you live with too much irony to ah. ever become e pray, love.
0: Well, thank you. I, yeah, <laughs> thank you. I like my irony. Um, yeah. Well, what do we want to talk about? So, so this is interesting. Last week we were reunited in Toronto, but we didn't really deal with it. We're now. This is episode eleven.
1: That's right. We've gone through ten. We have our. Uh, this is our. Uh, yeah, we've done ten.
0: This is our baker's dozen if the baker is cheating is cheating you <laughs>
1: that's right the lazy baker
0: oh the lazy baker's dozen yeah great we have a show title wonderful
1: mm-hmm.
0: um well we've really done we've really done 12 because we did episode zero.
1: Oh yeah right
0: but um anyway how are you feeling about this
1: yeah i guess uh, i guess this is my my answer this week um is that um my relationship to this show is sort of evolving. Do you uh, like it? Cause I do like it. Okay, yeah. Good. Cause the people you know, because,
0: at home should know that like I asked Dan to be involved in this. Um, and I constantly have guilt that because you're so nice that you're just doing things to support me and not cause you like them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, um well okay it's okay
0: if you're doing that you can also tell me i can handle it
1: (laughs) i'm fine i'm fine um but you are doing this just to support me (laughs) i'm i'm doing this because i want to do it great um and but but i also listen to i listen to a lot of podcasts and Mm -hmm. so um my relationship with this show has evolved because uh i'll be fully honest i hadn't listened to much of it until um, oh, like fair. I guess this time last week, and so I went through everything, listened to it all, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is different than a lot of the podcasts I listen." You to. You almost
0: it's... said "good" and stopped yourself. <laughs> I heard it. I
1: stopped myself. But that's a, that's no. fair.
0: It'd be really weird to just do an episode about how good we think we are. We're yeah. Canadian. <laughs> we're Canadians. We're not Americans. We are not capable of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but but. But there was a lot, there was a lot I liked. Like, um, I like how, I I think I like this recording remotely and what it does to the way it sounds. It sounds so much slower than Mm. a lot of shows I listen to. And for that reason, um, I just feel a little less, like it's just a nicer accompaniment to things as opposed to... um, thing that requires my constant attention.
0: What are you listening to? Really fast, punchy? Yeah, I
1: mean, comedy podcasts.
0: Oh, this is a comedy podcast. We're really fun. Oh, right.
1: Oh, yes, of course. Yes.
0: Just slower comedy where at home you kind of go, huh, actually, I've been listening to some old episodes because I've been trying to learn how to do the audio mixing. And I mean, I laugh enough for everybody. I laugh enough for the audience. I'm very self-conscious about how much I laugh at my own jokes. I'm doing it right <laughs> now. Oh, it's horrible.
1: <laughs> yeah, I... I i um i definitely get weary of comedy full-on comedy podcasts that just are full of laughter at their own jokes um but i just don't think we make enough jokes for that to oh be a problem.
0: that's great well that's wonderful yeah. um
1: another thing i've noticed is um how I, when i do speak i speak so slowly and um and deliberately and my therapist would say legally and, oh, uh, like
0: you're trying to figure out what your lawyer can say that you're allowed to say?
1: <laughs> no, I, I honestly am trying to find the best way to express myself that well, that expresses my idea in the cle- in the clearest and most accurate way possible. Um,
0: well, it doesn't sound hearing, weird to me.
1: Well, thank you very much. But hearing it back, it's like, whoa! It's like a bit. Um, it's just a bit off-putting to listen to myself have an idea. Uh, and take a long time expressing it, and so um, I don't know. Maybe I'm making a making a resolution for the future.
0: Uh, yeah, just say whatever and blurt it out and be all crazy. <laughs> and,
1: I mean, or I just w- just work at getting getting it done faster.
0: I mean, I will say you can always hear your own thought process listening to yourself, and I I feel like quite the opposite. I'm like I deliver sentences that are completely out of order because my my mouth can't catch up to whatever it is that my brain's doing. And mm. sometimes I find that kind of disturbing <laughs> to listen to. It's like listening to somebody's brain collapse. <laughs>
1: um, I will say that I, I used to have a professor in university who um, I'd always been taught sort of as a performer. And you know, one, of the pub, one of the fundamental rules of public speaking was that you get rid of your ums and uhs and stutters and, and, and yes. thoughts as you're speaking. And I had this professor, professor in university who said um and uh more than anyone I've heard in my entire life. I was so, I would I would just like laugh, I would smile and look around the room, like, is anyone else registering how <laughs> wild this is? And at one time I counted. I was like, I'm going to set my clock for a minute, and I'm going to count how many times he says um and uh, and he said he said it 20 times, and that was like an average minute for him. Whoa. Which, which is like three times every 10 seconds, basically once every three seconds, he would say um or uh. And I was like, but I find him so listenable, and... So I was like, this is challenging everything I know about, you know, when you say um and uh. And so I've sort of like given myself permission, I think, ever since then to be like, just think your thoughts and like say um and uh as many times as you need to. And it'll be fine. Um, But I listen to it back and I can hear it just loud and clear. So many of them. Well,
0: I'll admit to you that now that I'm doing the audio editing, I took out a bunch of my weird noises in one of the interviews.
1: Your weird noises. I keep going. Leaving me it's just, just swinging in the wind.
0: I didn't notice yours. And mine were like, I was going like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh.
1: Constantly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it made me feel crazy. Yeah. Um, well, do you want my hopefulness? Yes, please. So mine's a bit vintage because we've been moving all around. Um, and... Uh, but, and I know um, you've really called me out in the past for name dropping in L.A. because I got to see yeah. talented people perform.
1: And I used that wording incorrectly, and I apologize.
0: It's okay. I'm joking. I knew. Um, so I went to a taping of Conan O'Brien.
1: Wow, name drop. Okay. I know.
0: And uh, he was interviewing, get ready for this, Steve Coogan.
1: Ooh! Ding, it was ding, ding. pretty
0: cool so i have a friend levi mcdougall who writes for the show another name drop i actually that's know him. actually
1: a name drop
0: yes. we went out for dinner afterwards and um oh. but he got us he got me and i tour tickets and then was like he was like there's a huge guest i was like i don't want to know he's like i don't want to i'm not gonna tell you so very excited um it was steve coogan and uh steve coogan was there promoting this movie called greed Yes. Have you heard about it? I had not heard about it. This is how it's I. It's out
1: now, which I might go see tonight.
0: Oh, that would be a good one. Um, oh, can I come? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, we'll talk about that after. Okay. Um, that'd be great. This is this is the purpose of this podcast is for us to become better bestest friends.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And that listen
1: up everyone. To,
0: going to a movie would help. Um. So. The movie is called Greed, and when he started, I had not heard about it before. When he started talking about it, he talked about how it's this sort of like juxtaposition of um, wealthy manufacturer versus the people manufacturing things. It has something to do with fast fashion. This is about all I know about the movie. Um, but this is a topic that I am personally very passionate about, about clothing and its impact on the planet. And also, it it seems like it seems like something that we can, for all of our problems, we can really handle buying less clothing, right? Huh. So in, I think, every work environment, every satirical comedy environment that I've been in, I tried to pitch a premise or a sketch about fast fashion. And so that was like, This Hour is 22 Minutes, Baroness Fun Sketch, Second City, I don't know where else, but every- You are
1: actually name dropping a lot this episode, let me just say.
0: Well, you know, you've got to put it yourself out there.
1: Okay, I've, but I'm following you.
0: You've got a pretty great resume. Um, and uh, But everywhere I was unsuccessful at getting this thing to to be, f- to market, I guess. Yeah, getting yeah, the Getting the piggy to market. Um, yeah. For various different reasons, and, you know, there's a lot of chaos involved in all of this line of work. Yeah. But I was like... but yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, thank you. Uncertainty, <laughs> not chaos. There's chaos too. Yeah. Um, but uh I, I it was just, it's every single new room i go into like that i try to get this message out there because i think that to a mainstream audience if people knew what was happening i think they'd stop buying so many stupid cheap tube socks and uh anyway seeing that this um amazing comedian had made a whole film about this one thing that i had been trying to get out there and that he mm. and also that he cared enough to do that that you know, we're in a moment where I think we really do need fun, distracting comedy that isn't about anything. But also, how do we ride the line of making stuff that does have a message? And, a, and a, I mean, he's one of, in my opinion, the world's most incredible satirists ever, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So to see him, you know, you have to toil to make an independent film like that. And to see that applied to this topic, and I mean, I'm excited to see the film, but to hear him talk about it made me extremely happy and it's so small given all the other stuff that we're up against but to see an interest in satirical um issues-based comedy made me really really happy and that the movie got made
1: (laughs) yeah i really like that
0: because it's a bummer it's a bummer ass thing to wag your finger at people and go if that shirt's ten dollars you can't buy it
1: (laughs) right know yeah and and i would like to say that uh you know on the topic of us you know doing more activities i would like one of your um denim mending uh workshops or classes or lessons that you have given because you give good ones and i need it badly
0: oh you personally i thought you meant you wanted me to over the podcast (laughs) airwaves explain to people what (laughs) i was doing how
1: to do it (laughs) while
0: i was sewing well honestly okay back back full circle to how we're all possibly going to be shut in soon Um, I got really excited about getting into all my craft work. Like I have a craft Mm, to-do list. I have a mending pile. I have this Vanity Fair tote peg that I got when I subscribed and I want to sew some denim over the Vanity Fair part because for some reason it makes me embarrassed to walk around with it.
1: Right. (laughs) So I want to put some pockets in there. And we should say that we know that this comes from a place where we are privileged enough that we don't have to provide a doctor's note to miss work and like there are people who live check to check who just like quarantines are going to possibly really harm them
0: oh absolutely and and the thing yeah when you and i are like oh let's not go out so much like i do so much work from home and i am profoundly feeling the privilege of that i also i kind of am like if people learn to cook for themselves a bit more and i really do think that this could push us a little bit more into a diy world that makes me extremely hopeful
1: true true yeah
0: like a little bit of stay-at-home. I find those food delivery services like Uber Eats very weird. Who knows what advertisers we're trying to get for this thing, but I find them weird. Uh, yeah, you're making someone else run out through a, like a snowstorm to give, bring you like McDonald's French fries.
1: Yeah, it, it's um, it seems- a, you know a, I've just seen some uh, some article. There was an like a phrasing r- sticks with me where it's like this stuff, like this idea of having a a personal driver who picks up your food for you was yeah, for like, never for realistic. For like 10
0: cents. <laughs> it's
1: it's as realistic now as it was five years ago. And it's just the fact that it exists as a possible uh, gig that corporations can tell you you need to survive is just kind of gross.
0: There was um, a friend of mine uh, was doing delivery for, for Uber Eats or one of those services. And the weirdest thing that he told me that he delivers all the time was single pops from mcdonald's what i know and it's also like why are you making that's someone... a,
1: such an interesting statistic
0: why are you i mean it's not a statistic it's just a it's a anecdote but um he but also if you're that's or... can
1: write it down <laughs>
0: if you're if you're order, if you want to drink why are you making someone bring you basically an open cup of cola not it's... a can not a bottle
1: it's absolutely mental that's it's... an agent of chaos right there
0: but it's happening all the time, and I think it's people who are high. People also order popcorn from movie theaters.
1: Whoa! Really? Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, all the time. People are high. <laughs> we legalized we legalize weed. We've got all these delivery things, and now this is bad. We can't have this. This is like the ten dollars shirt. You, you, if you absolutely need it, fine. But like, we can't. We should not be having all this.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe these are, yeah, maybe these are people who can't, physically can't leave the house. I don't know.
0: Maybe, but also, and then my friend was doing this on a bicycle. Not in a car, which some people also do, but like delivering an open cup of cola (laughs) or four of them on a a bicycle. (laughs) It's,
1: it's, It's unfeasible.
0: Humanity, there's such simple adjustments we can make. Drink water.
1: That's a great finisher. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay um well I'm really excited about the interview that we have today it's with my friend Serena Marie McCarroll
1: great um,
0: hopefully you'll listen to this in two or three months uh. or
1: whatever <laughs> don't pressure
0: me I love you dad I love you oh my god I made him say it okay I'll see uh, you at the movies okay bye <laughs> okay, Bye. bye Hey everyone, this is Becky with a content warning. The following interview with Serena includes discussion of sexual interference. Hi everybody, Uh, I'm here with my friend Serena McCarroll. She is smiling at me so big, (laughs) Try not to laugh like it matters. Hi Serena.
2: Hi. We're in your home. Yes we are. Yeah, how's it going? Okay, okay. Yeah, it's pretty good, huh? Yeah, yeah. We're here with my dog as well, Bobby. Yeah, there's a cat somewhere. It's nice. There's a cat hiding, probably behind you, actually. Interesting. Anyhow. This is something um, I guess is a...
0: We don't really have segments on this podcast, except that uh, we like to check in about the weather. And today is cold. Seems pretty normal. Overcast. Yeah. When I did my check-in this week with Dan, we didn't talk about the weather. um, So I feel like I forgot to say to the people... That on Monday, everything's off because we published this later. But on Monday, I was wearing open toed
2: shoes, and it's March in Toronto, so that's weird. I'm trying to think back to Monday, but I know it was really nice.
0: Yeah, I went to the um, farmer's market in a day to- recently. Open toed <laughs> shoes, and it was weird. It's like fun but apocalyptic. Yes. It's, it's so warm, it's unusual.
2: I live underground, mm-hmm. so the weather. And also, I'm a bit of a shut-in, so often the weather doesn't matter to me. It's consistent. All, well, the lighting conditions are consistent no matter what's going kind of on outside. It's cool and... Outside. Yes. Yes. True. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I try and remind myself to be aware of weather. I forget.
0: Yeah. Do you like being removed from the weather?
2: Do you like seasons? I, I mean, I think I definitely need more sunlight. I do have a sad lamp that oh. I often forget to use. Where I'm is really it? I'm really trying. It's on my table in the kitchen. Over your kitchen table. Because I do try. It's like on it. It's like a little. It's a little one. But um, I try to turn it on when I have my coffee. Uh-huh. I remember like maybe 25% of the time. I should have notes everywhere to remind myself to do well, with things.
0: I'm very to. forgetful. Yeah, you don't have to.
2: So you kind of do that to like simulate
0: morning in your basement.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's like it has a timer. It's like fifteen minutes. Well, I'm excited that you brought up right away that you're a sort of a shut in. You're our first.
0: <laughs> I'm glad you're
2: excited. Professed <laughs> shut in. <laughs> this show is a show of firsts. Oh, um, I'm not a true shut in because I have to go to appointments. Right, but, but you're I do. Indoors. Uh, yeah, I. My Twitter bio says that I'm indoorsy. I know I like that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's true. It's love. It's a lovely way to describe
0: yourself because I don't think that it should be deemed better to want to climb up the side of a rock face. Yeah, outdoorsy's cool. Indoorsy's not. No, we wouldn't be anywhere without the indoorsy
2: people. You know, like cuddle kind of up with a book. Although I don't do that that often. Listen to a podcast. Yeah. Have, Learn listen- inside. Have you listened to this podcast? I have listened to every episode oh my of this gosh. podcast. Well, you've just explained a lot of the analytics to me. <laughs> is there you? <laughs> At this point. Um, introduce yourself. Who are you? you
0: oh, yeah. More this, than just being a shut-in. This is
2: the question I'm most afraid of,
0: that I knew was going to be the first question. As someone who's, like, listen, even Dan admitted that he just listened to all the episodes, so you're ahead of him. Whoa. That's good. It's good to have that perspective from him.
2: I listen to a lot of podcasts. Oh, Maybe I'll take off my dog's collar. No, it's okay. Is it? Yeah, just keep going. Anyhow, any jangling you hear is my dog's it's collar. Just nice. Bobby wants to be involved. Um, yes, he just came over to say hello. Uh, who am I? Uh oh, I, I was gonna say I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I was so happy to have someone I know to have
0: a friendly voice show. Yeah, because
2: we are friends. Yes. <laughs> um. Okay. To narrow down who I am, I guess I don't know. you know this uh,
0: i i have to refine these questions as i go yes and i know you quite well so this does feel like an unpleasant question to ask you because you think about things a lot you're very thoughtful
2: okay so don't worry about it. oh yes because i do worry (laughs) yes a lot of my thoughts are (laughs) worry thoughts yes okay um i the thing i always struggle with is like calling myself an artist even though like what else
0: you are in my opinion you absolutely are you make art I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> so,
2: <laughs> therefore, I mean, it's okay. I was going to say, I did. I went to art school. Um, sort of. I just went because I was. My dad thought I should go. Like, it wasn't a big thing that I necessarily wanted, but I don't mind that I did that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, anyhow, I have. <laughs> I mostly used school to get myself from one city to another because I've never had savings or anything and moving's expensive and like I don't have credit to get a loan so then I use student loans to relocate myself. Uh,
0: I know it's it's a I
2: mean for listeners it's um,
0: an interesting sort of business plan. Right. Um, you, you also use school sometimes to get loans so that you could afford medical treatment. Yes. And you are a Canadian so I think it's that's unusual. Right. As a story.
2: And also when you're in school, at least when I did, I don't remember with my BFA. So I have a BFA. I went to Emily Carr Institute. Wait, now it's Emily Carr University. In Vancouver. In Vancouver. It was Institute of Art and Design when I went there. But I did get a degree, not a diploma. It's one of those things where they keep upping their...
0: Yeah, you can get a master's at my theater school, Del Arte now. And we got a for sure like inkjet printed diploma when i was there and it, <laughs> oh, i was gonna say and a sweatshirt but i think i had to buy my sweatshirt
2: i certainly didn't get a sweatshirt yeah uh and then i got um mfa because everyone does that now You're making
0: a face like that's the most horrible thing to say about yourself <laughs> and i don't believe it is
2: <laughs> i don't think it's impressive either it's just a thing but i it is a thing that i did yeah uh at ryerson in toronto and it was an MFA specifically in documentary media, mm-hmm. so it was in the artsy line of things, but a bit more specific. And you were in documentary photo. Yeah,
0: yeah. And so I do know your work. We'll post some images of things that you've done. Um, I would consider that an art practice, and 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 the, your work, in my opinion, anyway, really lives in all of those territories at once.
2: Yeah, they they definitely. The good thing about the program was that they were trying to really broaden the idea of what documentary
0: right means right
2: and it can obviously mean a lot of things
0: i kind of wonder i i i have a theory actually i think i brought this up when i was talking to dan it's okay it's okay bobby that like maybe all films are documentaries ooh i know i just say that's just something to make me sound smart at a- Party. Right. No, but I mean, they're documents of the psychology of the people who made them. They're documents of right. that time technologically. Right. So photographs, I think, are just documentary regardless.
2: I mean, it's hard because, like any documentary, the editing process can turn it into something that's not real at all.
0: So. Right. And we talk about, like, when you think about, like, Werner Herzog or Errol Morris, yeah. those are really kind of big mainstream examples. I mean, I guess as mainstream as. Yeah documentaries become but they are doing like artful strange stuff with the documentary form yeah so we we know that these pools can mishmash
2: yes and we were encouraged to do as weird (laughs) stuff as we could think
0: of so that's part of your practice
2: (laughs) yeah yeah and i actually the weird thing is that i am now i i kind of ended up working on a documentary film which was never my thing but i just
0: oh the pez one yeah hey you can talk about that uh right now if you want to oh
2: because it's who i am it's (laughs) (laughs) i don't know Sorry. Uh, um, (laughs) right now i am making a documentary film which i didn't study in school but I actually did have a one-day workshop on how to oh. shoot video and audio. That's enough. That's so hopefully need. it is enough. That's <laughs> all well, I have.
0: You also have a long history of
2: Yeah, I know how works. to use a camera. Yeah. Um. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing it all on my own and I'm doing it because a friend of mine um, basically asked me if I wanted to mm-hmm. and his children... I've been doing this for like six years now, I think
0: yeah you're a
2: full-fledged documentarian Which, now that's what they do i know that's why i wanted to do it kind of because yeah. at the time i was it was a bit of a rough time and i didn't when you're doing photo or like more visual art but in galleries there's this pressure to be productive and to constantly have shows and I was like I want to do something I can just chip away at and, and if like I tell people that's the right answer is, yeah oh,
0: yeah we're in we're six years in right yeah no there.
2: one bats an eye amazing it's great yep I love it it's
0: so very good for a shut in
2: <laughs> extremely good yeah but I I so yeah my friends two children boys um when they were living in London Ontario, started a Pez museum in their basement that they charged 25 cents for people to come and see it. And because their father's a visual artist, it turned into, it's much bigger than just coming in and looking at a Pez collection. Many of his artist friends did Pez art that would be on the walls, like Pez related art, as well as his children draw. So it was their art. And then like, you know, like, Matthew Thurber, someone who's a fairly well known comic artist, also has a drawing. I don't know if he does. I think he does. Anyhow, that's just one name I thought of. But uh they also had a s they had a Spider-Man two carpet that they blacked out um everything except that there's a P in there and then an yes, e. e. And then you can turn the M into a Z? What did
0: they turn into a Z? Or an N. Is Spider-Man. a sideways Z. Now I can't remember. Well, an can... M can be a sideways no, no, Z. no, or the an two.
2: M. Oh, two. The number two. Right, of course. That's why it's important that it's Spider Man 2. Carpet. Right, of course. So the two is the Z. Um, so that's the Pez carpet. They also, I think there was an audio element in it and. There was definitely a cardboard Pez candy dispensing machine where you would either get nothing or just a shitload of candy. (laughs) Like they made it? Yes. (laughs) Um, There's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, So when I started it, they were just packing it up because they were moving to Brooklyn. As one does. As an artist.
0: In London, Ontario does. Does, I guess. It happens.
2: Um... And so the movie was sort of documentary I suppose, maybe following how they move this thing from a place where you can have a museum in your basement right. to a place like New York where that is not gonna happen, and how are they gonna like what's gonna happen how are they going because it was a big part of their lives. It was very important. Can I tell you something? yes.
0: Okay, I just heard this whole story. I've heard about this project before, but like after you, you just set it up in a way where I want to see what happens next. <laughs> you did it, Serena. Yes. Um, so that's one of the projects you've worked on.
2: Yeah. So that's what I've been working on most recently. Um, but you're many things. All
0: people are many things. So that's why I don't want you to stress out about this
2: okay. question. <laughs> Should I just leave it at that?
0: Well, unless you have more to say.
2: Um, I mean, there is a book out in the world that has my name on it. You can get it from the library. What's it called? All Citizens. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. I'm glad it exists mm-hmm. as a document of a time. Um, other- And there's some other people contributed to it. And that stuff is great. Did I contribute to it?
0: No. No.
2: Although I- there's a photo of your the stuff you sold...
0: Yeah, well, we met through all citizens, this project. Yes. We met through the internet, in fact. We met through the internet at a time when that was more unusual. Yes. Like 15 years ago. Holy shit. I know. Um, Because Serena had a blog documenting her and her former partners.
2: I think we met around 2007.
0: Okay. So close. So 13. Um, But yeah, they, they left Vancouver, went out to rural Saskatchewan and basically built an art project on the range and had a blog and when i was touring i try and i just reached out and said
2: i know it was can we, so amazing can we meet you and it was they... so the thing i remember most is getting <laughs> i think you you reached out
0: yeah it was like hey my friend told me about this we're passing through saskatchewan can we come meet you?" yeah and i was
2: like who are these people and i look and i think on the same trip you went to new york is Probably. that I think you went to, where did you go? Oh, the Etsy headquarters or something? Oh, yeah, we Here's a, here's a sideline
0: story about me is that like in the early days of Etsy when it was super small, um, I was like, I know my user number was 710. Wow. So there were only 700 of us. Wow. Or, like, I, didn't yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know you were that early. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so in the early days, I turn, I would sleep in their office in Brooklyn. And we went to do the craft fair there. And then, then they got lawyers who were like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. So much I, equipment I here. just
2: remember being like, who are these people who are going to Etsy and then coming to see us? Because it's all basically the same. It's not <laughs> how I felt at the time. No, but,
0: you feel far yeah. away from stuff in Saskatchewan, right? In and, rural and Saskatchewan. You both just seem
2: so big city. <laughs> 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 I think it, <laughs> you're from it, the big it, city. <laughs> I know. It was a bit of an adjustment. <laughs> Well, I, I was very... Iso- I mean, yeah. we, we can talk about isolation, but... Please. Which I've experienced in many forms. I'd love to. But that was the most physically isolated I've been. Where, I, like, if I wanted to have a coffee with a peer, I couldn't. Like, I, I was there with my boyfriend, but... Yeah. Um, and there was, like, you befriended one nun.
0: Yes. Is the vlog still up? Yes. Okay, so people can go look at
2: Going Rural. Oh, I forgot it was even called that. <laughs> that's how we met it's, yeah it was called going rural it was on Blogspot. spot yeah. which i mean i assume it's still up it's i i didn't take it down. i mean it's an awesome read but the blog is also like an edited version is in the book that's mm-hmm. part of what the book is um but yeah you befriended a nun who was like you're... the last nun in bruno yeah he was like so bruno br- is where we lived yeah i don't think we mentioned that but it was the town of bruno which had a population i think when we moved there was like 500 and then there was a boom because a religious school opened yes and there was also i think that was a time like we got there right before people started like really madly buying property in saskatchewan like there was a weird thing that happened i think when property prices went way up in calgary a lot of people were selling their houses and then taking that money to buy a retirement house in Saskatchewan. Like, they could sell their house right. and then just outright buy something. And have money left over or yeah. something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, that was a retirement plan for some people. But, yeah, it was very isolated. Plus, you don't drive. That was the problem. That's why. It's it, very difficult in rural areas. I mean, a big part of why it didn't last for me.
0: Yeah. I, I have to say for me, so Idr doesn't drive either. He's, right, <laughs> he's the eternal passenger on our travels around the globe. Um, and but when we rolled up, the the vistas of the area are so uh, beautiful. And also, so all citizens. We'll post some pictures, but like all citizens was a storefront on the small like two block main street of Bruno, Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. and it was. N- it was next to the senior citizens home that says senior citizens. So what Tyler and Serena did was they made a big sign that said all citizens on uh-huh. on their storefront. We find.
2: wanted to be more inclusive than in the senior citizen center. <laughs> yeah, senior citizen centers are really elitist garbage pile. Um oh, we shouldn't talk about
0: that right now. But but uh so basically they turned Main Street into a visual art project by their mere existence. So rolling up to that in our car, when we'd seen it online, really, it, again, the skies are big and beautiful and alive, and it just felt like... And we, it kind
2: of looks like a Western town. Ta- like, yeah, the, still fa- ha- like, the,
0: like false facade yeah, kind yeah. of buildings. So but, it
2: looks a bit like a set in a way. And it
0: was because we'd read this blog, that very much is like a storybook in a way. It was like we rolled into this
2: <laughs> fantasy storybook.
0: And then from the other perspective, Serena was like... It's nice to have new friends. <laughs>
2: yeah. It was such a fast friendship though. It was amazing. Yeah. Like just... I, I know you walked up with a bottle of bourbon. Yeah. Um Oh, I think we'd been through like customs or like we got
0: like duty free or something. We might have gone oh, through the states. Maybe.
2: Yeah. And yeah, it was just like instant. Instant. <laughs> Probably one of the fastest friendships. Well, we had
0: to sleep there, so I guess we yeah. had to get along with you.
2: But we do get along. We like, do. We, just
0: do. <laughs> we sure do. Yeah. <laughs> um okay well what what are your thoughts
2: on isolation oh well hmm uh it is i mean i do think about it a lot because i am i feel pretty isolated at the moment Mm -hmm. um i do live and work from home which means my only human like i i go through phases of being social and then i drop out of it i guess
0: well we're going into a period where everybody's going to be at home
2: and i think you're going to be a pro at it i am a pro at it i can go a really 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 long time without seeing anyone yeah whoa um yeah and i don't really even notice for the most part except sometimes it i do realize that maybe it's a little unhealthy well, it's hard to figure those things
0: out yeah. for your own self when it's nice to be alone and when you're kind of just like, I mean, I'm speaking for my own self now. It's like when you're just too, getting two in your head and it's, I have this weird theory as an absolute not psychiatrist that like mental health problems can have their own survival
2: instincts. Yes.
0: And I, have with the people who are in my life who've had mental health issues and with my own, I'm like, yeah, my depression wants to stay in me right i have that feeling sometimes well my anxiety wants to be here actually anxiety feels more crazy
2: yeah Bowl in the china shop yeah um
0: but then i don't know i don't know how to deal with that i'm not a professional yeah
2: i I mean that's a whole other topic we may or may not get into uh do you want to well let's okay i'm just gonna stick with isolation for now but, oh, one thing, well, okay, there's a bunch of different things in my life that I can all take back to 1992. Let's do it. Including isolation because, uh, oh, yeah, the other thing if you, about who I am is mm-hmm. that I trained in pro- professional ballet school as an adolescent. I moved to Winnipeg when I was 13. And when I was 17 was so injured they said I could stay in the school as long as I quit point work. Cause I had a severe tendonitis in one ankle and the doctors were like, you're done basically. But they were like, stay in the school. You don't like, just, you are not allowed to do point work. You will not be allowed to go to point classes or do anything. And we think you can become a modern dancer and then you can still graduate from the Royal Winnipeg Ballet School. And I said, no. <laughs> yeah. And then they they said, goodbye. Um, and kicked me out which was fine
0: and at this point you were 17
2: yes and you were living on your own at this- no oh my mother moved with me yeah. that's important to know so my parents got divorced around the time I got accepted to mm-hmm. the school they said no my parents were not gonna let me go and then I think my dad my dad came up with this idea that my mother could move with me Because they're not married anymore. And she doesn't have to be. I was born in Lethbridge, Alberta. And I know that she was kind of devastated. By that suggestion. But felt like. She. Kind of had to do this thing for her daughter. I don't know. It's heavy. Yeah. So I have a younger brother. Who stayed with my dad. And my mom and I went to Winnipeg. And my sister was an adult at the time. So she. Was doing her own thing um so yeah so i'm with my mom and i'm 17 yeah so i I may have been 16 17 when they kicked me out and i so all of grade 12 i was in winnipeg but what happens when you're kicked out of a school like that is like you don't keep your friends
0: Like
2: you're, and it's not in a mean way. It's just how it is like from both sides. Like if you're not in the school, you don't hang out with people from the school anymore. It's just a really insular. And also I didn't really want to, because you don't want to be reminded that you're not a part of this thing. It's like such a big part of your, like your whole identity is wrapped in it. mm -hmm. And, um, so I just remember, like, I lost all of my friends, and I switched schools, so I really lost, like, everything that was familiar in one fell swoop. Um, and you'd lost the thing that you thought you were going to be. I lost the thing I thought it was going to be, although I was sure that I, that wasn't going to be the end of things, and it wasn't at that point. Mm-hmm. But... um So I guess that was the first... I mean, I was a really shy kid, so I've never been super social. But I did belong to something when I was in Winnipeg. Like, I really did. I felt that. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And then it was gone. And then I did... Oh, and me being injured and being kicked out of the school, this is another... Unfortunately, now part of who I am Mm -hmm. uh, is that the school had a predator, a teacher who was a predator, and he would take advantage of students who were being kicked out or he knew were vulnerable. And so I, the past eight years, I think I went, well, actually longer. So I've actually been pursuing getting this teacher at minimum removed from the school since 2005 so it's actually been 15 years um but what he would do is is lure students into his apartment or somewhere where there was no one else a lot of the time it was his apartment and uh and he would he would lie like it wasn't you had no idea what you're getting yourself into i went to his apartment for headshots like yeah. Um, I didn't like him. I was on a he, he was the kind of teacher who's super chummy with students and like was kind of would try to be your friend in an environment where your teachers were your enemy. Like they were not nice. They were it's it's a brutal environment.
0: Right.
2: Um it's very militant, rigorous. It's very rigorous and hierarchical and part of the training is stripping you of your identity and making you feel like nothing so that you conform to this like ridiculous aesthetic that is so abnormal (laughs) like you have to push yourself so hard
0: yeah your body moves away from being human into abstraction yes in those spaces yes
2: yeah Um, So within that environment, he becomes the kind of friendly teacher. And then when girls get kicked out, this was my situation. He's like, I want to help you continue on. I believe in you. What happened to you was so (sighs) unfair. Blah, blah, blah. Um, One way I can help you, because he was the school photographer as well. So we'd been conditioned from the time you enter the school that this guy's taking photos of you. Like he just come into classes, rehearsals. He was a photographer. You took that seriously. And his photos were on the school's website um brochures whatever i don't know if they had well they maybe they had a website in the early 90s yeah um that would have been quite so then he had this whole way to basically get girls to take all their clothes off during a photo session and he was like masterful at this yeah and i actually which is part of the reason why i took this on to the extent i did I brought my mother with me. She didn't know why. But I didn't like him. I didn't want to be alone in his apartment. At that point, I was old enough that I like I know my mom was like, why? Like, just go by yourself. And I just I forget what I told her. I didn't tell her. I didn't trust him. How old were you? 17 by then? No. I I was 16 or 17 because this happened. It was right around my 17th birthday. Day because I know it happened around the year in show, and my birthday is May twentieth, so like it was right around that time yeah um so i i I convinced her to come with me without making her too worried um and it's also important to know here that uh my mom's bipolar
0: mm-hmm.
2: so and and super religious. So I just didn't want to get her.
0: At this point in your life at 17, did you understand the depths of her illness?
2: No. Right. I knew... I mean, she was different and extreme. And yep. the religion part... I mean, we fought, like... Anyhow. Uh. So, yeah. I just knew she she wasn't really a normal mom, but I did not... And also she, she got sicker and sicker as she yeah. aged. But, um, so I bring my mom with me and she's sitting in the room. He has a big, like a open layout apartment and he's so smart at this. Like it didn't change anything for him, which to me, like I would think I didn't even know what he was doing. But the fact that he didn't, like, throw it out the window when he saw me show up with my mother. Yeah. This is just, like, so still to this day. So shocking. Yeah.
0: Truly psychotic.
2: Yeah. So he, like, he, I remember him, like, showing her it was magazines or books or something. And he managed to situate her where he set up a backdrop that would block her view of me. (sighs)
0: So
2: she... But we're in the same room. Like, she can hear every word he's saying, which is important to know. Like, she was not far away. Yeah. And his whole... the, The way this was crafted is just so astounding to me. But, like, he was just in the perfect environment to get away with this. And because a dancer's headshot, commonly you'll see the the shoulders like In
0: the clavicle
2: yeah mm-hmm. and i mean you don't really think like oh they're naked but often there's
0: or you don't think oh they're children
2: <laughs> or that but it's really common to have a headshot where the shoulders are bare yep so it it it, it kind of looks like they're naked but it's you don't really think about it cuz it's just a, dan- people, a dancer's neckline and people wear those
0: sweetheart top things yeah. or scoop cuts so you don't in a headshot register that because yeah. tutus aren't often sleeveless and, or whatever
2: you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah and it just yeah uh so what he would do is basically say that you know let's do this type of headshot and um ask you to to lower your bodysuit. like initially it's like just tuck it under your arms mm-hmm. so initially it makes it completely make sense we've all seen this headshot we know what he's doing it's normal and he allows discretion he's like you know turn around like Ugh. he's being like sensitive to that you might be a little uncomfortable with this
0: but he also knows the routine
2: yeah oh yeah um So then he does a few shots and then he acts a little frustrated and he's like, your bodysuit's still showing. Like it would be better if it was a little lower. But he has you cross your arms across your chest, Mm -hmm. which is also a pose I had seen before in a headshot where you have your arms crossed so your hands are on your shoulders and it's like an X across your chest. So you feel protected. Yeah. You have this sense as he's keeps saying your bodysuit is in the way and then you're like okay so now he's doing this sh- shot which is lower but my arms are still protecting me and i have seen this before and so he keeps going and i can't even remember at some point i feel like he was just pulling it down uh-huh. more and i just kept my arms in front of me and then uh then there's just this moment where he just says drop your arms Like out of the, it just this like this whole false giving you discretion and pretending he's being sensitive, and then it just is done. And he just says, "Drop your arms," as though this is where you're going all along. Like he looks at you, like this is the next step. Even though, if you drop your arms, you're naked. Like he set up the situation. And it just was so shocking. Like, his voice doesn't change. Like, he's not being violent. He's not being aggressive. He's saying it like he's telling you to tilt your head or smile. It's just such a confusing moment. Like, And I think for a lot of girls who were there alone, they just, I mean, he's your teacher. Like, there's so much going on in that one little moment. Um, And the fact that my mother heard this whole thing and didn't suspect anything is shows how smooth he was and that he wasn't being like what you would think a predator would be like. Like it wasn't obviously scary, which made it so much more confusing. But like I wasn't confused for many reasons but partly like I was as shy as you could get
0: like you knew it was wrong what was yeah.
2: going on immediately I froze and I did not drop my arms for a lot of reasons like like I, I did realize in that moment exactly what he had been doing right Um, and that he'd done this over and over and o- like it was just so clear like he had this is his thing that he's been doing to everyone and I was terrified because he just kept repeating, drop your arms. And I know in the moment, because I knew my mother emotionally would have a difficult time dealing with the situation if I like screamed or yeah. like I, I just remembered. You're stuck. I was so stuck and I didn't want to upset my mother. And I wasn't going to drop my arms. <laughs> Rock in a hard place. And I just was frozen. Mm-hmm. And then my mother, she says she just, her timing wasn't, like, in my mind, I thought she heard him repeating drop your arms and, like, had some sense that maybe something was up. She says no. Mm-hmm. She just happened to get up after he said it, like, I don't know, I feel like he said it at least three or four times. Um, and who knows our memories are so yeah, I mean, they're correct, but they're also yeah,
0: loose and mushy. And who knows what she remembers? Yes,
2: especially. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but she said she just happened to be like, Oh, I should go and see how it's going. And sh- so he's he's where he can see her. She can't see me. I can't see her. But he definitely registers that she's moving. And then he's like, Oh, great, Serena. That's good. You know, turn around. We're done. And clearly, and I honestly was with him on this, like didn't want my mom to know, like I was like, okay, it's done. I am going to try and pull up my bodysuit. Like I flipped around and tried to pull up my bodysuit so that my mother would have no idea. Mm -hmm. But she was so close. There wasn't time. So she saw me with my back towards him, but she still got up to us before I had a chance to, like, she could tell I was pulling my bodysuit on in a way that doesn't make sense and also that i was doing it quick like she could just tell right something was wrong um he was just acting as normal as could be (laughs) and so like this was her moment where she was totally confused obviously Mm -hmm. and uh i think he told me i could go get on my street clothes and maybe he had a friendly chat with her And I just remember her eyes getting really dark and her looking at me like I was like, she's mad at me. Uh, And then I came out and I was in my street clothes thinking, I'm going to go home with my mom. I'll like tell her it wasn't my fault. Yeah. (laughs) But this is the most surprising part, possibly. There's a lot of surprises in this story. He, He all of a sudden he's like, um, Ingrid, which is my mother's name, uh, would would you mind um, if I gave Serena a ride home? Which makes no sense. <laughs> like, yeah, no sense.
0: Holy shit.
2: So he's like, could you just leave without your daughter? Would that be okay? And she says, okay. And I just couldn't even believe this was happening. She like, I think we walked down with her and oh. watched her drive away and leave me alone with him. So he, I mean, luckily, luckily, but it is lucky. Like he, he was not a violent predator. That was not his thing. Right. So he, it was so psychological with him, like deeply, deeply. And when you say
0: like, also you can't figure out why she was doing that. I'm sure she couldn't either. Extremely manipulative people.
2: Yeah. Do things
0: that are beyond the comprehension. I of think others. she was in
2: a similar place as me. she so shock that and awe. And like. She was just so shocked and he was acting so normal and, I mean, yeah. I I know she could see that I was upset, but I wasn't bawling cause, or anything like that. Like, I still was in the mode where I'm like, I don't want to upset anyone. I just want to get out of this situation.
0: And That's pre- all and I want. predators, like, absolutely capitalize on that. Yeah. I just want to normalize
2: yeah. this. Yeah. Like, I just want to... Like, even though he wasn't being physically threatening, there's still that like you still feel like i just want to get out alive and intact and like you know
0: yeah well serena if i may Mm -hmm. this is not who you are (laughs) it isn't and i really want to make that clear it's been a huge part of your life yeah and it stuck with you but this is not who you
2: are started to feel like it was the past i mean i'm glad i had this it just the timing was good to have a this long project I could chip away at while because what happened in the past since two thousand, so yeah, I did the math already seven years, um eight years was that it became a public story, yeah which I did (laughs) i made it a public story yeah um and it was a cover story on mclean's and like my the photo of me as a teenager was on the cover of mclean's and then they talked me into um having my photo taken like present day serena in the same magazine which i regret that's the one thing i wish i hadn't gotten talked into but there's a lot of pressure yeah um and then so there's that story and then more recently i wrote because i that story coming out was a very upsetting and it was a whole different wave of
0: being re-traumatized yeah does this feel like that
2: no you sure oh and i was going to mention to you before this is actually the second i podcast that i've talked about (laughs) this (laughs) I don't know if the other one I don't know what's going on with the other one. It's scary so. but a girl in Victoria because at um now Bruce is in Victoria or he was, but um, so part of the story is that he went there after he got fired, which he finally did um in two thousand fifteen, but this university student who does a university radio show uh found me. And wanted to do a show on this, as well as talking to one of the girls who was in the company that Bruce went to after Winnipeg. Which oh my God, yeah.
0: So you were saying you, you, that piece was written about you, and Macleans, and then you
2: and then I wrote for the Walrus. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I tend to do half sentences a lot. I interrupted you. I I interrupt myself as well.
0: Well, we're we're a good pair. Then. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so yeah, I ended up finally writing a piece for the Walrus. That was my, like, me trying to make the points I felt weren't made. Or desperately trying to get people to maybe understand better. Well, it's your story. Yeah.
0: That's the thing. Like, it's not someone else's to tell, really.
2: Yeah. And there's also so much more to it that isn't my story to tell.
0: You mean other girls? Yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. Like, I definitely was lucky. Like, what happened to me was minimal, although... It was, like, my mother being there and my mother leaving me there. All of it. It's and all then, traumatizing. Yeah. I, like, my trauma was just very different than other women's. Like, I wouldn't want to swap with them, but it was traumatizing in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um Because, like, I would not have wanted to be alone with him, which so many girls were. And so many girls didn't have an option to bring their mother. Because a lot of girls, like, it was... Like my mother moving with me was a way to pay less because most girls who train at the Royal Winnipeg Ballet School and it's they, they even board more there? so at the National Ballet in Toronto. Yeah, you, you pay there. to live there and yeah. board there and it's very expensive. So my mom moving with me was the only way I could go, which is why she felt like she had to like uproot herself. I mean, I know as a kid what a big deal that was. I didn't know whatever your parents do is like you look at their cues and it's normal yeah like now I'm like oh my god but like that's the crazy thing she did for me I did appreciate it at the time but I didn't understand how hard that must have been
0: well so and I know I mean I know you personally but this is um I know it's been really really shitty and really difficult and it's also just like one fucking asshole can come in and make a whole bunch of shit in someone else's life and a whole bunch of people's lives yeah extremely unfair but but what you've done, Serena, coming forward, though, I mean, as far as the the themes here on this, uh, on the conversations that we have on this podcast is, you've really, you've been part of a, a greater movement. And you said you started in what year, 2005, before I met you?
2: Um. Well, in 2005, what I did was, he walked into my job in Vancouver.
0: At the photo place?
2: Yeah, yeah, I worked in a photo um supply store and because he's a photographer he walked in i mean obviously i did not think this man that i knew in winnipeg who had traumatized me would ever set foot in my the store i worked at in vancouver but he did and i was just flooded with fear that i hadn't felt like i felt the same fear i felt that day and i hadn't felt that level of fear since and, um, I left my desk, like the, the second I saw him walk in, I just left my desk. I went to my manager's office, which was in the back. And she had all the camera, like all the video display of the security cameras. So you could see every part of the, it was kind of a big store. Um, and I was like, there's someone in the store who makes me super uncomfortable. I cannot be out there right now. Is it okay if I just watch for him to leave? And she was great. Like that, I could do that was so wonderful. Like she was just like, yes, absolutely. Like you don't have to deal with a customer that makes you uncomfortable.
0: Well, and I'm sure she could see the state you were in. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I assume hopefully men would also get that. But you know, there's that thing that women have where we yeah. look, we see each other in a bar, and you can see an uncomfortable woman and kind of go.
2: I think, that, I think I'm a stranger, helped. but I will.
0: Yeah. I will intervene. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I. I. I yeah. I, yeah. She had that look in her eye that she understood. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he wasn't in the, he, he wasn't in the section of the store where I worked, but I just didn't want to risk him walking back in any sort of encounter with him.
0: Does, does the relationship between your work in photography and him? You know, it was weird, eh? Yeah. Does it do anything? Does it taint it for you or? It's
2: so weird. Like, cause I would never have thought I'd go into photography. I think I've really compartmentalized, like just not... The two things are just distinct.
0: They are to me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because I like and I honestly, I think he's a shitty photographer. Yeah,
0: there's no no
2: shit. (laughs) He's not in it for the art at all. Um, Part of why he gets away with like there's so many reasons he got away with this and he got away with this for like 30 years. But uh, is that he would he was he was artsy. So when he'd do these nudes which was a very open thing that he did nude photography. Like was he was open about the fact that he was shooting underage students or any students, but he. it was definitely known that he would f- take nude photographs of former students. Mm-hmm. That was known. And that should have been not okay. Like, if you've ever had someone as a teacher... Yeah, shit was fucked up in the 90s. Yeah. So... That was known. That that's for for me. That's made him creepy just that alone. Because I was like, that's weird. Yeah. Like whether the woman wants nude photos or not, it shouldn't be her former teacher. That dynamic isn't fair. Yeah. Um. And I am pretty sure it was often his idea because this was a thing he did.
0: But I guess what I was gonna say is that like all of this predates Me Too. What you've done, oh yeah. But what you've done though is part of a movement. How do you relate to the idea of hope? I guess is my question. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, this week, yeah, we have Harvey Weinstein going to jail for, that, I mean, that guy. Yes. And because the, the Weinstein, I have mixed feelings about all of that. Oh. But I mean, obvious. the obvious thing is that he's a horrible, horrible man and that he
0: deserves anything <sighs> bad that can come to him. Yes.
2: Yes, it it was a bit difficult to watch it play out after I had come forward and been felt like I had lost so much. And then to watch the same Mm -hmm. people who I felt had backed away from me, retweeting actresses. And it's just was just a weird, that was just a weird thing for me.
0: That's part of the experience, Serena. I think it is for everybody. And I think it's a part of it that isn't spoken about is like, Yeah. yeah, and people for career reasons backed away from those women. Still, I, yeah, I, yeah. I I work in environments where
2: people will people will
0: back away from you for speaking up. Still, this is still happening,
2: right?
0: Weinstein didn't solve it. Me too didn't solve it. No, I experience it constantly. Not at my current work environment. I should make clear, um, but I've been through this stuff constantly, and people back away, and then they retweet.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's just <sighs> it's a weird thing. But like, it is hopeful that he is going to jail and that all of this happened is hopeful. But it's also at the same time, you're like, this isn't what people think it is. Like, it's like, it's still happening. And part of you is like, this is just making p- people feel better. Yeah. About not dealing with it in their actual world.
0: Yeah, like he's not, like Weinstein's not a scapegoat in the, in the notion that like he did it. He did all this. Yeah, exactly. But he can be held up as a totem that like fixes all of it or a few, yeah, a handful a of bit people. Of that, yeah, it's like, yeah. it's so in the blood of our society to behave this way. Yeah. But honestly, you know, with the U.S. president being who he is, I didn't even know what was going to happen to Weinstein. Like, we're we're, we're pummeled to such a point that it's like... I know.
2: Well, I was honestly like, holy shit. And I think a lot of people were, like, even after everything, didn't think he thought he'd get maybe five years or whatever.
0: Yeah, his sad sack fucking walker routine. (laughs) Fuck you.
2: So, and even now, I'm like, uh, like obviously, hopefully, this will go through. He can fight it. Mm -hmm. But... I mean, hopefully, this is really what's going to happen is he is going to be in jail for a long time.
0: But then to me, the personal question, I mean, and let's remember where Me Too came from and what Me Too means, literally, word for word, Me Too. It was, retweet this if you've ever been sexually assaulted or harassed. And Mm -hmm. as soon as harassment's added, there isn't a woman on earth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, but that's it. It's every single one of us.
2: Yeah.
0: And... I guess, on a personal level, to varying degrees, we we all live with the, these many scars. Yeah. They're different. All of us have them differently, but like, how the fuck do we get on? <laughs>
2: you know what I mean? It's weird how, because I, I honestly was taught to be afraid of men from a very young age, which may have also been a factor in me already being suspicious of Bruce. Um, before anything even really happened with him. Because mm-hmm. my mother taught me to be afraid of men because of who know what... Like, I don't even really know what could have happened to her to make her pass that on to me.
0: God knows. We've been through it for just yeah. eons.
2: But I, I definitely... Like as a kid, it's like if I can avoid a man, I will avoid a man. I would don't want a male bank teller. I don't want a male doctor cashier. I don't want a male doctor. Like if I can avoid men, I will. And it's just instant. Mm-hmm. Like and also like to such an extent. I, like I remember being in line at stores and just praying that I get the female cashier. Like that it works out. That, and, that and that was before front, any of this. Before any of this.
0: Mm. So where are you at with this now? Is it feeling behind you? no (laughs) will it ever (laughs) maybe not probably not i mean
2: yeah is the investigation still open i don't know they won't really say right like they just called us as individuals to tell us they weren't pressing charges for us so I guess it's possible there are other girls who they're still looking into I don't know I don't think anything is going to happen and then when I went to when I found a journalist and he ended up doing the McLean story that was when Winnipeg fired Bruce because they felt like they had to
0: well this is really important you know for all the fucking people who say go through the correct channels yeah go to the police yeah like and what, also, what about what about innocent men who get
2: accused yeah. which they say about him like
0: of course they do he didn't know he was just selling art pictures on ebay
2: and like all, all all those girls were 18 they're lying that they were under 18 and also if you were 18 it doesn't matter a lot of girls were 18 and it was still traumatizing because he was still in a position of power it doesn't like that part ugh, i get angry when people like just none of this should have been happening
0: I think, um, you know, when I think about the kids today and I think about sort of notions of even notions being in the dialogue of enthusiastic consent. When I first heard that, I was like, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. But it's also important to understand that every tiny little advance is kind of made on a pile of bodies. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, I don't know if this has been our most uplifting episode. It has I was been... wondering <laughs> Well, wow, but it's insightful. That's the point.
2: Yeah. No. But that's certainly what um so yeah, being isolated is all tangled up in that. <laughs>
0: oh, to answer my question yeah. from forty from, five minutes yeah, ago.
2: Yeah. Yep. Indeed.
0: Well, Serena. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing this. Audience, thank you for listening. I'm going to put a warning at the beginning of this episode right. so that people don't get sucked in and too upset. Um you shouldn't laugh at that. You can laugh at whatever the fuck you want, Serena. I'm
2: laughing at the ridiculousness yeah, absolutely. of the world, which is how I cope with a lot of things. Uh, don't think
0: I fell into comedy because I'm not traumatized, Serena. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know you well <laughs> enough
2: <laughs> to know that.
0: Um, where can people follow you? Do you want them to? <laughs> Should I put a picture of you up? We'll talk about that after.
2: Yeah. Um, I am. I did leave all of the things for a while, but I, then I... I went back to Twitter, so I'm Serena Marie on Twitter, uh, and I went back to Instagram where I'm Serena McCarroll. Where you
0: can see Serena's beautiful photographs. Some of
2: them. Yes. Yeah, some of them. Yeah. But like- I post a lot of random. My new thing with Instagram
0: uh-huh.
2: is only posting Instagram stories when I've been alone for way too long, because <laughs> it feels like a conversation in a weird way, like I get it out and then i have a lot of regret after but whatever. <laughs> well dude you have but also it can initiate like it can initiate a conversation. You have this
0: upcoming shut-in culture down.
2: <laughs> yeah, tip, hot tip. Yeah, please. When you post a story, like you know it'll disappear, some people will see it, some people won't. But then someone might comment on it and then it's like, "Oh, i talked to someone today." <laughs> And even if no one responds, you talk to your camera I and mean, you were envisioning another person. Anyhow. That
0: <laughs> is the most beautiful silver lining for just the hundreds of thousands of people who are staring down some COVID quarantine. <laughs> if you're not too sick, just talk into your Instagram stories. At least you talk yeah. to the camera.
2: Yeah. That's, the, that's, that's my advice. Serena, I love you. I love you too. Okay, bye. Bye.
0: The H-Word Podcast is happy to be part of the SHOP family of productions. Follow the SHOP on Instagram at the underscore SHOPTO. Artwork this week by Serena Marie McCarroll. And music, as always, by Laura Barrett. For more information on all of our artists and guests, please follow us everywhere at The H-Word Pod. Or sign up for our newsletter at thehwordpod.com.